I'm going to come around to you. I have a microphone, and I'm going to start off with a really basic question. In your average day, what do you spend the most amount of time doing? In the average day, what do you spend the most amount of time doing? Studying. Studying. That's very studious. Assorted schoolwork, reading, writing, editing. More studying. <laughs> Anyone else, what do you spend in the average day the most amount of time doing? Making decisions. Whoa. Working. <laughs> Working. Wow, this side is a lot of fun over here. This might be really transparent, but I spend most of my day missing my wife while I'm at work. Aww. <laughs> Does this side want to counterbalance anything the other side had to say? In the average day, what do you spend the most amount of time doing? Oh, sleeping. Right. Woo! Go! Actually, she's speaking for those of you on that side, too. Um, so I've put together a handy-dandy informative slideshow to educate you on what the average American does with his or her time, okay? So this, this is government data. Like, this is your tax dollars at work. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> uh, working, working in related activities, nine hours. Sleeping comes in a number two at roughly eight hours. Leisure in sports, three hours. Household activities, eating and drinking, caring for others, and then other. That's like miscellaneous. If we can go to the next picture, I'll show you some more data. Next picture. So here's full-time university and college students, those of you on the other side of the room. Oh, wait, look. Most of your time is sleeping then sped by leisure and sports, then by working, educational activities comes in a distant fourth. <laughs> Next week, we're going to be talking about honesty. <laughs> okay, if we can go to the next picture. Here's, here's high school students, the amount of time that they spend doing various things. So educational, working, obviously, among the not employed, that's zero. <laughs> Duh. Uh, sleeping. If you thought your teenagers slept a lot, boy, they sure do. And if they have a job, they sleep a little less. Socializing, relaxing and leisure, religious and spiritual, 0 0.3, 0 0.2. All right, so if we can go to the next picture. Here's uh, women, you already knew this, right? Okay. <laughs> These are two, two towers. One represents how much time men doing household activities, and then the right side, obviously the larger of the two, is the uh, amount of time that women spend doing activities, and there it is broken up. Food and, and drink preparation, cleaning. See, uh, laundry. Four, <laughs> look at that. I'm a minority, because I'm like the laundry dude in my house. So, all right, and I think I've got one or two more pictures. Let's see what I got. Okay, so. Of that three hours of leisure time that you have in any given day, you probably knew this anyway, but the lion's share of it goes to watching TV, right? And then socializing, reading. Look, look at where exercising comes in. One, two, three, number four. <laughs> Relaxing and thinking comes in a distant sixth. 
And then other leisure activities, 17 minutes. Is that my last one? I can't remember. Yep, okay. So, so there you go. Uh, if you have a smartphone, if you have a smartphone, you devote an hour of quality time to that phone every day. I know. Well, if you're, if you're an Android user, it's 58 minutes. If you're an iPhone user, it's an hour and 15 minutes. So Apple users obviously love their phones more than Android users love their phones. Oh, it takes longer. <laughs> okay. So uh, time, time, however, is actually constant. Time is constant. There's 60 minutes in an hour. There are 24 hours in a day. There are 365 days in a year, unless it's leap year. All right. But our perception of time varies, doesn't it? There are some, I remember Hegel class from seminary with Dr. Wood. And I'd be like, I'd look at the clock and I would think, it's only been three minutes! <laughs> I wanted to cry a lot in that class. Then there are times at the lake where I've been reading a book out on the rocks, out on the lake, and I'll be like, oh, the sun is setting. Holy crud, it's been eight hours. <laughs> you know, I've got to paddle back to dock before it's, you know, dark, okay? Our perception of time varies, but time itself really doesn't, and, and you know this. Some people like to say that time is money. The people who say that are lying, they're lying. Time is actually more valuable than money because time is non-renewable. You can't get more of it. You can't store it up. You can't slow it down. And when you kill time, it doesn't get resurrected. <coughs> Unlike Jesus, it stays dead. <laughs> okay? So time works that way. And so this morning, as we start off talking about relationships, I actually just want to share one verse with you. One verse one big idea today that could, if you do something about it, revolutionize your relationships, especially the relationships that matter most. And it's taken from the book of Psalms, all right? So if you brought a Bible, open it to Psalms, Psalm 90, and we're going to be in Psalm 90 today. I love the book of Psalms because the book of Psalms is unfiltered emotion. If you're a teenager and you sometimes feel like you get emotional, read the book of Psalms you will be like, oh, I so get it. Because some psalms are like, oh, that is so amazing. Look at the mountains and the sky and the stars, and that's so awesome. And God, where are you? I don't understand. You're not helping me. I just want to, uh! And then the next moment, it's like, you are so awesome, God. We are best friends in the whole world. And then it's, you know, you stink, God. How can, I thought I could count on you, and my enemies are going to chuck the life out of me, and they're right there, and they're ready to kill me unfiltered emotion. That's the Psalms. I love it. You should, you should really read the Psalms. It's, it's what it is. Okay, but Psalm 90, if you could categorize them, there are Psalms of wonder, Psalms of loneliness, Psalms of joy. This is a Psalm of despair. Doesn't that sound enticing and appealing, doesn't it? <laughs> this Psalm 90, Psalm 90 is a Psalm of despair, all right? So let me let me go through verses 4 through 6, and they'll put those up on the big screen. For you, O God, 
A thousand years are as a passing day, as brief as a few night hours. You sweep people away like dreams that disappear. They're like grass that springs up in the morning. In the morning, it blooms and flourishes, but by evening, it's dry and withered. Remember what I said about this is a psalm of despair. You're kind of feeling it in those verses, right? I mean, he's saying, he's saying, you know, our lives here, it's gone. It's like grass on a hot Middle Eastern day. It's so lush with the dew in the morning, and by evening, it's ah, gone, dry, crackle. It's nothing, no life left in it. Like, well, that's encouraging. Thanks a lot, Max. Well, this is, this is leading up to what he's going to talk about in the next several verses, in the verse that I want to share with you today, all right? And so we'll pick it up at verse 10. Seventy years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. Soon they disappear and we fly away. Who can comprehend the power of your anger? Your wrath is as awesome as the fear you deserve. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. All right? Life is not just brief, but as sinners, it's lived under God's wrath. There's an unpleasantness to life that's a part of life today, and that's what he's talking about in this psalm. This psalm is a psalm of Moses, and it's attributed to Moses from the time where he's not going to get to go into the promised land. And so he's kind of bummed and discouraged, all right? And, and he's charting this out, and he's like, you know, boom, life is, it's just gone. But you, you're like forever, but what we get is it's gone. And the, it leads to this verse right here. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. There's something you and I can do by realizing the brevity of life. It can help us be wise in how we live life. The way the older versions put it, and I'm going to put the King James up here for you, um, teach us to number our days. So if we could get that next one up there. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Teach us to number our days. So there's something about visualizing time that if you apply it in the right way can change your relationships, can lead to a wise life, a life that's lived wisely. The, a similar statement is made of Jesus, by the way, in Luke 2.52. It says, so Jesus grew in stature and in wisdom. And Jesus knew. Jesus' public ministry was just three years. He had three years to literally change the world. Mission accomplished, baby. Three years. Three years. And he totally revolutionized human history. Our calendar the year 2014, in the year of our Lord. I mean, and so, in light of this passage, in light of teach us to number our days so that we may grow in wisdom, I want to ask a couple of questions, and then I want to get really into the application part, all right? The first question I want to ask is, is wisdom a word that is associated with how you use your time? Is wisdom a word that is associated or that you could associate with how you use your time? And then secondly, 
Is it possible that what concerns you most now is actually not very important over the long haul? Is it possible that what concerns you most now is actually not important over the long haul? So I'm talking about visualizing time, right? So I brought some examples because I'm a former children's pastor. And we love examples. The average life expectancy of an American is 79 years, right? Now, you know the, the truth about averages, right? Averages mean that some people never make it to 79, and some people make it way past 79. That's how you get averages. But the average American gets 79 years, and I've got 79 bouncy balls in this jar. Is there a teenager that would be willing to uh, help me out for a moment? Mr. Vol, stand up here. How old are you? 14. 14. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen. All right. Cool. You know, this is pretty awesome. If you look at your jar, there's your jar. You could take that home today. That's not that's not bad. Hold that up so people can see. You, in a sense, have your whole life in front of you. And what I found about young people is that when we're all young, we think we're going to do everything. We're going to travel, we're going to go to college, we're going to get married, we're going to have kids, we're going to do all this stuff, and we might even think we're going to change the world. We have this whole long list of what we're going to do because our future's in front of us, and it's so bright, we got to wear shades. But the problem is, every year, one of those balls goes away. This is my jar, based on my age, and how many balls I have left. Hold yours up there. I've been robbed! <laughs> I'm past the tipping point. I now have fewer balls than half. And so, it's a good practical thing. Thank you, Andrea, you can have a seat. One of the things you could do is get a jar. You can put gummy bears in it, but here's the problem. If you use gummy bears, they're going to disappear a lot quickly than your birthdays. <laughs> and you're going to look in the jar and you're going to go, I'm dead! <laughs> and, it's, and it's not really the case because you had a snack several times, okay? But one thing that you could do is visualize your time. Because uh, it really, I'm telling you, staring at this for me, whoo! Sports teams in a close game when it gets down to two minutes on the clock, doesn't matter if it's football, doesn't matter if it's basketball, close game, two minutes, you know what happens? Energy, passion, focus. Because you only have two minutes left on the clock. And so something that you could do is actually visualize time for you personally. And it, I'm telling you, it's a powerful thing. If you're close to 60, that means you got 19 balls on average. So I, I don't say that because I want you to be morbid. I, the point of today is not to be morbid. The point is to be purposeful. And this isn't a message about carpe diem, seize the day, because, you know, there's plenty of that out there in culture. This is, this is if there really is a God and Jesus is who he claimed to be, then what you and I do with that in relationship to our lives matters. And it's more important than other things 
because there's an afterlife, because there's something that's coming that's more valuable, more beautiful, more colorful, and longer lasting than what we have right now. Um, there's a guy, you can actually go online, the, the, um, uh, the Hands-On Marble Company, I think it's what it's called, and they'll give you a box of a thousand marbles, and they'll give you this story with it, all right? If, and it's this guy, he was a ham radio operator, and uh, at age 55, he decided that he was going to visualize time. And he calculated out, and he calculated that he had a thousand Saturdays until he hit roughly 75. And so he started taking a marble out of that jar of a thousand that he started at age 55, and he found that when he took out the last marble, that Saturday when he took his wife out to, to a late brunch, that all, you know, it was a, it was a fire-burning moment, because in his mind he was like, okay, so here, from here on out, I'm on borrowed time. I'm gonna make this time count, baby. And it, and it lit a fire under him. That's one thing you could do. Now, if you're a parent, we had somebody who just had a baby, the Rohis. Little Eric, right? How many weeks old is Eric? Two weeks old. Kaboom. I'm going to take two marbles out. Those are mine. Can't have them back. Eric... With any baby that's born, as a parent, you have 936 weeks until they turn 18. This jar's got a lot of marbles in it. Eric's got a pretty, got a, I mean, and again, in this jar, in, do what? Oh, you don't know the half of it. You don't know the half of it, all right? So... So, one thing that you could do as a parent, and I would encourage you to do this, is literally every week, take a marble out. Again, the point is not to be morbid. The point is to, this is true for all of us, right? What's the mortality rate? 100%. This is going to happen, okay? And again, in the jar, there's a lot of assumption. There's assumptions that you're going to be around when Eric turns 18 and that Eric's going to make it to 18. And averages are averages for a reason. Hope, but most parents can kind of bank on that, most Americans. All right? These are my kids' jars. And for the last two years, I've been keeping track on, in my journal of how much time I have left with my kids. This is Maddie. She's about half of what you got. This is Jill. Jill's about half of what Maddie has. For the one that really gives me heart palpitations. <laughs> this is what John has left. When you are a parent, the most important thing that you can give your kids is faith in Jesus Christ. When your kids turn 40, if you are old enough to see that day, you are not going to care what kind of car they drive. You're not. You are not gonna, you're not going to care about the house that they live in, and where they went to college isn't even going to enter your mind when your kids turn 40. But if they don't value God and his kingdom, it will break your heart. 
there are things that you can do now when you've got a lot of marbles in the jar that you can't do when the marbles are gone. And so as a parent, one of the more powerful things that you can do is visualize time so that you leverage those key moments in any given week, in any given month, so that they have eternal significance and they have internal value. Visualize time. That's the first thing in talking about relationships that I want you to do. I know, it's, it's like you're like, but that's so morbid. No, I, it's reality. <laughs> and I'm telling you, when you see time passing in a visual way where most of us are visual learners, it will light a fire under your pants. And all of a sudden, some of the things that you've been given time to, you'd be like, that's not important. Forget it. I mean, it will light a fire under you watching the passage of those marbles. So count it down, measure it, and make it count. Because each week, each week, it's going to matter more when you see it in context of how much you have left. Trust me, it's, it's, it's going to matter. Um, here's some good news, right? One, it's never too late. It's never too late to start visualizing time, especially if you've got relationships that are really important. It's never too late. Moses, when God called him, was an old geezer tending sheep. And let's not talk about Abram, who was beyond old. It's never too late. The Bible in the book of Hebrews says today is the day of salvation. Today is a gift. And so it's never too late. So if you're 50, if you're 60, it doesn't matter if you feel like, eh, messed up. No, today's an opportunity. Today's an opportunity to start leveraging. Is it true that the leveraging is easier when you got a lot of marbles? Sure. But today is an opportunity, and it's never too late. The second thing I want to encourage you with is you and I don't see the whole picture. You and I don't see the whole picture on this side. We're not going to see the whole picture till the other side, the resurrected life. And uh, the Apostle James... The Apostle James was beheaded by Herod. You, you know, John, John wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. Then there was the revelation of Jesus Christ to John, which is like the book of Revelation at the end of the Bible. This is a big chunk of the Bible. Go, John. He lived to like 90. I don't know. He was an old guy. But James cut off early. And then you've got Jeremiah who preached and preached and preached and didn't have, seem to have any con uh, converts at all, Jeremiah the prophet. Jonah gets a charge, doesn't even want to go to Nineveh, right? Jonah shows up and gives three days of work, and literally most of the city repents. Is Jonah more successful than Jeremiah? Or James? See, you and I don't see the whole picture, Right? And I would encourage you today to just make this day and this week and this month count for what matters most. Um, probably the, the single biggest thing that my dad would tell me when I was a young parent that I'm found to be true is he would say, now Mark, when the kids turn middle school, what's going to happen is you're going to go blink 
and then they're, it's like they're bringing home the person they're going to marry. And you're like, what happened? And so, you know, don't blink. No, he didn't say that, but he's like, <laughs> he's like it's time. So, again, when, there are relationships in your life that matter more than others, aren't there? And what's going to matter is how those are leveraged for Jesus' kingdom. If you're a parent, what's going to matter most is, am I raising someone to become a man or woman of God who values God and his kingdom and for whom Jesus is their savior and their king? And then within the context of other relationships, it's going to matter what you've leveraged over the long haul. And again, there are going to be seasons where you cheat uh, home more than you cheat, say, your job, and, and there are seasons, you're in school, you're finishing a degree, there are always seasons for things. And so I don't want anybody to walk out today going, because I'm in school, it's all over. No. But I just want to remind you that you and I have a limited supply of bouncy balls and marbles. And today, I want you to start making those count. Okay? Can you do that? Yes, you can, because today is an opportunity.